This is Linux Unplugged, episode 47, for July 1st, 2014. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's got all its updates applied as it prepares to go offline and live in a cabin. My name is Chris. My name is Matt. Hey, Matt. It is hot here. Now, it's maybe not hot by, like, everybody's standards, but it's it's hot enough that we've got a brush fire nearby. I mean, that's hot, right? right? Yeah, it's about 87 degrees in the studio today, it, so it gets and it gets wet. It's like a wet hot, Matt. It's like a humid kind of hot. Yeah. That's what makes it so miserable. And, of course, I made my own predicament worse because I was barbecuing today, so we had to close oh, up all dude. the windows in the studio because I didn't oh, want to make no. the studio smell like barbecue smoke. And it was delicious. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It turned out webby. Rikai gave me, like, here is a bag full of burgers that I made. Why don't you cook them all? It was like it, he threw down the gauntlet, and I'm like, I'm going to cook all these burgers before Linux Unplugged. And I did it, and it was delicious. And we had copious amounts of bacon, and I made – I took some of the – this is kind of gross, but I took some of the bacon grease uh, sauce. I took some of the – and made a sauce out of it with the barbecue. It was just it was just amazing all around, man. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, my goodness. So we yeah, got – I, I kind of lucked out. I pre-cooled the – I pre-cooled oh, nice. start the show, so yeah, it's so, still kind of warm. So we got to just persevere. I mean, I'm glad you took – I'm glad you took uh, wise precautions. I, on the other hand, was uh, not so wise. Uh, but uh, that's okay. We got a good show. We're going to do some follow up first, and then we're going to cover a couple of items, a few updates on some big news uh, that's happened on stories that we've covered recently. And then after that, we're going to announce a new community. Um, we're going to call it uh, the Jupiter Colony Review Draft, where uh, we're looking to expand our distribution reviews and cover more distributions. And we want to collate a group of folks out there that would like to get involved in reviewing a distribution and perhaps come on our show via Mumble and share their thoughts. Now, this isn't going to be necessarily an easy job because you're going to have to download the distribution, try it out, note down your thoughts, and then work with our team. But we want to expand the distributions that we're able to cover. And so we're going to talk more about that in today's show, and including where you can sign up and draft yourself to be in our uh, Jupiter Colony review panel. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, Matt, uh, this is something that's been kicking around. Uh, we talk about this a lot on the live stream. We haven't talked a lot about it in a show for a while. But the audience might be familiar that you and I have struggled with audio issues under KDE. It's been well, a I think struggles being kind. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's that's being kind. Yeah, it's, you're it's right. Ridiculous. It's inexcusable because it's not just like one particular hardware setup. It's multiple hardware setups. Right. I mean, come on. And I gotta. And I I, I want to qualify that I want to completely back that statement up too because I've tried it on multiple systems with USB sound cards, onboard sound cards, um, HDMI sound cards. You name it. Different machines with NVIDIA, ATI, Intel. All the all the whole stack has been laptops, desktops, all of it. And I've had issues with switching my audio settings and things like that. So uh, Wiggle Waffles wrote into the uh, subreddit and said, In previous installs of KD, I haven't really had any troubles with phone on, especially running it on a VM. But since I dedicated to uh, switching from dual booting with Arch and Windows 8 instead of running Arch in a VM, sound on KD has been a nightmare. It works in the most basic sense of the term, but hooking up headphones is spotty. The volume buttons on the keyboard adjust the HDMI audio, even when it's not plugged in. And the volume gets reset to 100% every time I reboot, blowing out my eardrums whenever I get an error message. And then he goes on to ask if there's a way to overcome this. And then 
the, the discussion thread didn't go the way they usually go. Usually, I see a ton of people saying, well, I run KDE and I never have a problem. And then I just right. kind of check out because I'm like, okay, well, I know I've had it on like a dozen systems I've had these problems. But actually, uh, just about everybody in here sort of chimed in and said, yeah, I've had some problems. Uh, definitely had some problems. You know, it's really bad, et cetera, et cetera. There's something going on. There's something going on. I don't know if it's the way Phonon interacts with Pulse Audio. I don't know. It's exactly what it is, in my opinion, based on my experiences with it and actually experimenting with it and just kind of troubleshooting, looking through the logs. That's where the hang up is. It's a one or it's either one or the other. You don't do both, in my opinion. Okay, I have a suggestion because we can we can have a religious war about this, or maybe as a community. We could create a database of the hardware that people are trying it on and the distributions and the versions of like Pulse and KDE. And maybe we could come up with some common threads. And then as a group, we'd have something we could submit as a bug report to the KDE folks so they could work on it. Sounds interesting. So I don't know if if people in the subreddit would be interested in that. Maybe we could work together and all sort of come together and try to narrow this thing down and submit a bug. And maybe we can fix this for other people because it's... It's one of these functionalities that when it doesn't work, it's, it's infuriating. It, it made me so frustrated because I got a new machine set up. I got a brand new Steam game. And all I wanted to do was set my audio out to my speakers. And I probably spent two hours trying to make that work. And I eventually gave up. And it made me just sit there and think, you know, why did I just do that? I, I felt like I just wasted two hours of my life on something that shouldn't be a problem at all. And I think a lot of people have that experience, and it can be very frustrating. And it's something I think if we all work together, instead of just banging our table about how upset it makes us, maybe we can, as a group, figure out some commonalities. Like uh, something like that. You, what do you think? Yeah, yeah? it sounds, worth it a sounds try? interesting. Worth yeah, a try. I think it's worth a try. I'm skeptical. I'm really skeptical just because I. every time it's ever been brought up, it's always been, well – it's just not an issue, and derp, 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 yeah. derp, and that just, you know, know. If, if we can get past that and we can get something legitimate out there, then I'll be able to stand behind it and say, okay, that's cool, let's, let's evaluate That's why I'm thinking those of us that acknowledge it's a problem, we band together and figure yeah. out what it is, because it seems like it's, it's, there's so many, there's so many moving layers, and it could even be versions of things that make a difference, and yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know, maybe it's more pronounced on Arch, I, who knows. Uh, while we're, maybe, well, let's, let's shift gears. Let's talk about KD a little more in the context of Mint 17. They just had the new release. And uh, producer of the show, Eric, has been trying out Mint 17 for a little while now. And he's kind of gone in and made it really kind of finely, finely tuned it to the way he likes it. So, Eric, what has been your impressions of using Mint now for a little while? And what was the first thing you had to change? Well, you know, I kind of went through it. And the first thing I changed was the theme. For some reason, the era theme for me is just way too bright. So I changed it to one that you can download straight from the Get New Themes button called A-M-A-K-A-G-E. Amakage, wherever you pronounce that, I don't know. Okay. But So I've got that, and then I got rid of Oxygen. And the way I did that was I changed my widget style to Cute Curve. Right. And, and then I was able to install on top of that, the, there's a Zikitwo, or Zikitwo, Zikato? however you pronounce it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, however you pronounce that. I was able to download that and make that a theme for a cute curve and on top of that because the cut well, wherever it is pronounced it it is available for gtk3 as well and gtk2 so ah. it so you it get sort of the benefit way. of like the same benefit you get if you're using oxygen only you can use the theme you want correct yeah exactly and it gets rid of that glow that people are so upset about and <laughs> not only that but i have not in at least in this kde setup 
experience the audio issues that are prevalent in the Arch KDE setup. I don't know what it is about that setup. But so you've had issues on the same machine and then you've loaded Mint and haven't had issues? Correct. I don't know how that is. It's got something to do with the phone on and Pulse Audio implementation, but it's got to be something with that. Hmm. Hmm. That sounds like uh, something that needs to be a little investigated into. So uh, overall, tool set, performance-wise, you're liking it? You think you're going to stay here for a while? I think I might stay with it, and the reason being is that I have actually run it up against Kubuntu. And with Kubuntu, I don't know what the problem is there, but it just seems sluggish. Like if I go to open the system settings, Mint KDE, I don't have that problem. It just pops up right away, and I was actually blown away by that. So I don't be because we're sending all your data to Amazon. That's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not talking about Kubuntu. I'm not talking about the Unity desktop. I'm talking about the KDE implementation Kubuntu. Kubuntu. Yeah, I was trying to be funny. Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Popey, any thoughts you want to share with the crowd on uh, KDE from your end? I know you've been playing with it recently. Oh man, why'd you set me up like that? (laughs) (laughs) I just Um, I think KDE is a great desktop. I just have sound problems. Honestly, KDE and Bacon go very well together. Mm. I gotta say that. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, I know, Kate. I mean, Poby, that might not be a fair question because you're obviously a Unity guy. I'm sure. So I'll I, bash it. It's okay. Well, I, you know, I, I use lots of different desktops, and I've tried KDE in the past, the distant past, and I've tried it recently this week, and uh, I, I find it incredibly painful to use and verbose, and far too many settings, and the layout of the UI is unbelievably painful with like bits scattered all over the screen and weird dialogues it just i i find it a horrible mess now let me ask you though would you be willing to oh somebody has open mic hot mic hot mic close your mic hot mic there we go would you be willing to uh you know entertain the idea of you're just coming at it from a different angle. Like you come at it with a different set of what expectations of what a desktop should be. So these things that don't meet that set of expectations really stand stand out at you. But if somebody else came at it with a different set of expectations, those things would be expected and they'd be missed if they weren't there. What do you think of that? Yeah, probably. Uh, I think if you if your expectations were, I'm a deeply technical user and I want to have absolute control over every single pixel on my display. Right. And I want to be able to fiddle with every possible setting that there is. Sure, it's there for you. But if you're someone who wants to turn the computer on and use it, I find it obtuse. It it, it gets in the way. And I and I was surprised how hard it was for me to find applications, start applications, um, download updates. Uh, I, I, I just found it really got in the way. And, and, and that's from someone who uses Unity, where everyone tells me that gets in the way of your workflow, and it's it's hard to use. I, 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 I'm lost for words. Okay. See, I like Unity, too. And I just like this also. I, I Honestly, I'm a, the type of person who cannot decide yeah. between a desktop and I'm, I'm a total because desktop. Because I like them all. I'm a, such a desktop hooker. It's crazy. I, I like, oh, yeah, me too. I'll, I'll, I'll load up Cinnamon for a couple of days and be like, this is it. This is the perfect blend of classic and modern. And then I'll be like, in Gnome, I'll be like, oh, I'm in the future and it's finally working. It's here. And then I'm in Katie and I'm like, I can do anything I want. What is wrong with you people? Why don't you just install the I know, OS? I know. Just leave it alone. It's a just sickness, like, man. Get on and do your work. Maybe there's a medication for it. It's like some sort of OCD. I don't know. It's weird. I can't help myself. I'm compelled. Although I do oh, find myself wow. in Gnome pretty much all the time right now. That's what the that's what my main DE is. But uh 
And the thing I love I, about GNOME is I have several different uh, machines uh, with different monitor sizes, and I think GNOME works great on like my big 28-inch monitor and a 30-inch monitor that I have. Like I have one of those uh, cinema displays that I bought used that GNOME rocks that, and then I've got a 14-inch screen that I've got GNOME on, and it rocks that too. So, I mean, they all do good mm-hmm. in that regard, but I just found that particularly works pretty well. I'm sorry, I cut somebody off. Did somebody want to add something before we move on? Yeah, I just wanted to say that um, I like KDE's functionality. It's got a lot of awesome technical features like KDE Connect and the, yes. like the widgets and all these things. And it's so cool as far as functionality, but it looks awful. Well, and I'm going to the screenshots then and show you what I've got. Yeah, if you've got well, them I mean, handy, you, yeah. If the, the screen, like you, what you said, I, I completely understand that how you could make KDE look good, and it's possible. You just remove oxygen completely, mm. and it's fine. Just <laughs> yeah. oxygen is hideous. But also, there's a few things that I don't like about the configuration. It's confusing. Like you can configure everything, but you can start a configuration and then right-click something in that, and there's another configuration on top of it. Well, they've explained the logic behind that, but yeah, I think it's like they're like, well, people expect it in both places, so we put it in both places. I agree, That's and true. I I am watching. Like the plasma next and plasma five stuff to see like what are they doing there? What's Jens and his team like? What what it, what is their view, vision? And I like where they're going with it. I still I think it's going to take. I think the next version of KDE is going to come out in a big way. They're going to try to keep it the same so that way they don't disrupt the apple cart, right? They don't tip whatever the saying is. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if once this next version of KDE is out and they consider it sort of stabilized, if that's when they really start iterating on some of the more rougher edges. I think I think it's going to be a little bit. You know what they could do? The thing is, they could I, add I can understand. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand why you know people use various desktops. I I can see why people use GNOME. I GNOME Shell. I can see why people like um, Elementary mm-hmm. and Mate and Cinnamon. The one that I just can't fathom is KDE. I just can't figure out. <laughs> What psychology it. brings people to use KDE on a daily basis and like it? it uh, I'm, it's unfathomable. Maybe, maybe you'll change. Figure this out. Maybe you'll change your mind once all the Ubuntu <laughs> apps are written in Qt, and you're looking for something that's a really solid Qt-based desktop. Oh, I see what you've done there. <laughs> well, you know, no, no, no. Slap. <laughs> KDE not equal to Q. I know. Q's not I know. equal I, to KDE. I you know that. I do. I do. Uh, all right. Well, you look. Trolley monster. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, look, before we move on, uh, I should probably thank our first sponsor. I wanted to talk about. Uh, did you guys hear? There's huge, huge, huge news for CoreOS. Huge news. Like we were just. It, we were. It's probably because they were on our show. That's the only thing I can figure. It's, it's got to be because they're on our show. Uh, but uh, I don't know. But, but first, let's take a little break and uh, thank our first sponsor this week, and that is the great folks over at DigitalOcean. Now, what the heck is DigitalOcean, my friends? I will tell you, DigitalOcean is simple cloud hosting dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. And uh, most of you guys could probably get started in about 55 seconds, but if you're a pro... And I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm not trying to say, hey, it's the 4th of July, go have a few drinks and then go spin up as many droplets as you can as fast as possible. But if you were to infer that from this spot, I would understand. But most people create a droplet in about 55 seconds and pricing plans start only $5 per month. And that's what I've been using for months and months and months now. And here's what you get for $5 a month. 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one blazing fast CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations all around the world, New York, San Francisco, Singapore, and Amsterdam, tier one bandwidth in those locations, and amazing hardware providers. All of this connected to SSD drives running on top of KVM with their incredible control panel. Their interface is simple. 
Their, their control panel has got to be one of the most intuitive experiences I've ever used. And the best part is, is power users can really get at that with their straightforward API. And they have a great development community, that's, and there's tutorials that help you get set up with things like GitLab, and there's one-click deployment for a lot of great applications that I know our community uses the heck out of. You can create a droplet in less than a minute. You can do backups. You can do transfers. You can set up the perfect Linux server and then template that and then deploy that Linux server whenever you need it again. And DigitalOcean has hourly pricing, so if you want to take advantage of our special promo code, you can get a $10 credit or use that for the hourly pricing. Use the promo code. Now, it's probably going to be changing because it's July now. I haven't gotten the official new one, but it'll probably be Unplugged July. If I was a gambling man, I would say Unplugged July. Unplugged June will still work too, of course, if you're listening to this right as we're changing over. But use the promo code Unplugged July. That lets them know that you appreciate, appreciate them supporting the Linux Unplugged show. You want them to keep sponsoring. That way that keeps us on the air. But it also gets you that $10 credit so you can try out what I've been talking about for so long now and see how amazing it is to get your own server that you have root control over up in the cloud connected to Tier 1 bandwidth sitting on top of SSD drives powered by KVM. I mean, really, DigitalOcean.com. And a really big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. I tell you what, Matt, I'm starting to feel a little bit like I have short timers. Even though I'm only going to a cabin for two nights, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, as soon as this show's done, I'm hitting the road. I'm out of here. You're, I'm going. you're packed. You're like Fred, yeah. Fred Flintstone going down the totally, road. Totally, totally. Okay, check out the great news for Core OS. They just got $8 million in funding. $8 million. Uh, so CoreOS, you guys know, we've just had them recently on the show. We did a review of it as well. They're the company that makes this, well, now they're a company, that makes a scalable version of Linux custom tailored for servers. They just raised $8 million in a Series A funding round. It's now offering support services for companies. That's going to be their business model. They call it a new commercial help service called CoreOS Managed Linux, which the company describes as an OS as a service offering and this provide, they provide organizations with constant patches and updates in case they don't want the responsibility, so they're going to manage that for you. Sounds familiar. Uh, and uh, they're, they're promising to help reduce the admin work for people deploying CoreOS. The monthly charge will range from anywhere. Get this. This is, for big, this is for companies that have big deployments. Monthly charge ranges anywhere from 1000 to to $100,000. Wow. For monthly. Uh, that's, that's a good business. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, when, when uh, Polvi was asked about, like, who's your, who's your competitor here? Because uh, this has got to be a hot space. He says, well, one of them for sure is Red Hat. Red Hat's uh, Atomic pro- or Project Atomic is a direct response to CoreOS, he said. And, uh, of course, CoreOS relies heavily on Docker, who's been working closely with Red Hat. And, of course, Ubuntu and others, too. Uh, huge news for CoreOS, though. Huge. $8 million for a Linux distro? It's got to be because we just had him on the show, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Clearly. I mean, you know. The last bump. Hey, the yeah, timing. Yeah, the the last bump. It last was bump. totally. Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? Hey, uh, here's another last bump. I, I'm kidding, of course, but the Creator Project announced that they just didn't really announce it. They just reached their funding. This is the really nice, really nice Illustrator program for uh, that KDE desktop that Popey loves so much. They just reached their goal of $15,000 in funding. Uh, and they still have eight, eight days to go, too. So now if you want to back a winner, you can. And this is really one of the greatest open source desktop applications out there for people who are artsy-fartsy. And, uh, yeah, there's GIMP and, yeah, there's Inkscape. This is something unique, something different. And congratulations to them. Again, the last bump, I'm sure. I'm sure. And uh, responding to pressure from the Linux Action Show, OwnCloud7 
We've gotten more details on the server-to-server syncing. I remember I, I said on last I'd love to get more details on how OwnCloud7 is doing the server-to-server syncing. We got some details. So I thought I'd give you guys an update on that, too, because to me, this is the coolest feature of OwnCloud7. So uh, the server-to-server sharing allows you to mount a share from another OwnCloud instance and seamlessly collaborate on a share fi- and on shared files from, what, from, with, from within each of your own own cloud instances, essentially combining your private clouds into one single public cloud between you two. You can even have the folder locally synced to a client, like through the own cloud client sync. Uh, no need to create accounts on your other instances. Just once it's all shared up, you can connect to each other's own cloud. They use the example of a class. You could have your classmates connect to your own cloud server, send them a shared folder link the usual way. Instead of them having to visit your own cloud each time and log in, they can opt to click to save to own cloud button and add a folder to their own own cloud instance. And then they can add this folder to the list of locally synced folders and it will sync between your own cloud instances as if it was on their own own cloud server. Oh, cool. Right? That sounds nice. That's freaking awesome. Mm. Yeah. I mean, they talk about performance improvements. They talk about server-to-server syncing. I am digging that. I am thinking OwnCloud 7 is the one that this might be the time I switch. I cannot wait to load it up into. uh, Clearly, I'm spinning up another droplet. I mean, I think that's been settled. There you go. Right there, right? (laughs) You could. I've been thinking, you know, I've been really trying to figure out, like, uh, photos for my wife and I and music and then moving them between the two locations. It's not as easy as it should be. And there's not like there's like you could do BitTorrent sync, but then you have to you have to run individual you have to configure each client application on each machine. So like let's say I'm using Rhythmbox, I have to scan that BitTorrent sync folder and add it as a library on every machine, and the metadata might be tracked differently, or, or the podcast or whatever it is. Right? It's just not very smooth. But the the promise of OwnCloud, where it could it could offer that one central library for you know even if it was just for business contacts and and business events and and things like that that sounds extremely compelling and essentially what i use the google apps for right now and then if it does file sync on top of that gets us off dropbox for some of our fixed assets because we have like a lot of our art and fixed visuals in dropbox because it's just so easy to deploy dropbox and have it sync up on the production machines uh but if OwnCloud offers something there too it might solve a few problems. I'm really excited about it. And I wonder, too, like if there wouldn't be a bit of a contracting business in going around and saying, um, uh, hello, this is Chris's own cloud installation, and uh, would you like an internet that actually works for you and offers file sync and gets your staff off of Dropbox? Let me introduce you to my own cloud installation package. For only $1,000, I'll deploy own cloud for you and get all your users migrated off of Dropbox. Like That could actually be like a legitimate thing people go around and make money off of because own cloud's oh, getting absolutely. serious. And then if you offer like uh, server sync, that's a perfect solution for businesses that have a few offices. A small business that has one or two offices, own cloud sync between them. Money maker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like especially when you think about like uh, dental offices, uh, real estate offices, anything, especially when you're dealing with the at-home people as well as at-work people, multiple offices. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Yeah, you know, uh, very much so. I mean, I'm thinking very much of my workflow, but I could easily see like a – you know, a small business owner that wants a, a sync of the most vital documents and things like that at their own house for backup, right? I mean, that seems legit. So, um, hmm. I'm really it sounds like a, a good option for a couple of clients I have that it can save a lot of effort for me as well. The oh, other, yeah. The other thing, so own cloud right now is I'm going to look at for my for my all inclusive sync solution, and then the other one I got to experiment more with is sync thing. I've played with it a little bit. The thing I'm not loving about sync thing is you have to authorize each device you're going to sync with. So distributing uh, things like podcast files, you know, I can't authorize every viewer out there that wants to sync 
the Linux Action Show HD folder. That's just that would be crazy. I'd be doing that all day long. Uh, but uh, I, I, so BitTorrent Sync seems like that's still the go-to thing for that. It doesn't replace Sync thing in the terms of like content distribution. So then, if I'm going to be running an instance of BitTorrent Sync anyways. Should I just go all in on that and just simplify my life instead of running BitTorrent Sync and OwnCloud or BitTorrent Sync and SyncThing? I got too many sync options. True. So I'll figure it out eventually, and then we'll make an episode out of it. <laughs> Sounds like a problem. Right? Like, solve two problems with what? You know, just boom, two birds, one stone. Matt, hey, speaking of solving problems, uh, let me tell you about our next sponsor, and then we'll get into the community announcement. The Jupiter Review Panel. But first, let me tell you about the great Canadians over at Ting.com. Go to Linux.Ting.com. Why? Because it's Linux.Ting.com. Own that URL. That is ours. Let's represent the Linux users at Ting. Now, here's really why you want to switch to Ting. No contract, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you actually use. You don't pay into some big contract where you have to kind of guesstimate how many minutes and how much data you might use and how many text messages you might send. You just pay for what you use. It, and uh, it was interesting. On Tech Talk today, um, I had an email from a cellular wireless engineer. And he's like, the Ting model, from the perspective of a person who builds and maintains these networks, is the only model that makes sense long term. It's the only one that can work. And I, I feel like I am living a bit in the future when I use Ting. Because it's all the things I need in a cellular service. My data is there. I have hotspot and tethering included. I get the pick of some of the greatest Android devices and iOS devices and or just feature phones all available through Ting. It's a flat $6 per month. Then just my usage build on top of that. All managed through an incredibly easy-to-use dashboard, but also provides real insights. And this is a big thing for me. These dashboards, this is 2014. There is no excuse for the dashboards that some of these cell companies use. They are just trash. And the great thing about Ting is they also support industry standards, too. So they works well on mobile. It works well on your desktop. They also have featured, like, um, integration with Amazon payments to pay for your cell phone bill, which is a really nice feature. And it kind of shows you how Ting is hip to a lot of these types of technologies, and it's refreshing. It's one of the things I appreciate the most, and that's why I actively follow the Ting blog, because there's always good information, even if you're not a Ting subscriber on the Ting blog. And it's always worth checking out over there, because they have often post videos that are behind the scenes. It's fun to see the Ting crew get insights into how the company operates. And check out their devices, too. Because when you go to linux.ting.com, they're going to take $25 off your first device. If you've already got a device, they'll take $25 off your Ting service. I paid for more than my first month. Now I've got two phones on my Ting program, and it's barely cracking $30 a month because we're really conscious about how we do it. We're on Wi-Fi a ton. We use Viber and Skype for our phone calls. And the little bitsies that we do use phone calls for, we just pay for when we use it. I love it. It just works so well for me. Linux.ting.com. Take $25 off your first device, get or $25 credit, and a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Okay, so this is a fun initiative that the production team's been wanting to do for a while. It Not only is it a way for us to sort of increase the distributions that we cover um, and give attention to maybe some of the smaller ones that we wouldn't normally want to load up and, and install just for, like, a smaller distro, but sometimes when you do that, like, you find a diamond in the rough. So we are announcing the Jupiter Colony Review Draft. And uh, this is an initiative that uh, will eventually eventually establish kind of a reoccurring group of folks. But we're going to kind of take baby steps at first. Uh, Rotten, do you want to jump in here at this point and kind of mention how we're going to launch this with the pre-selected group and why we're doing it that way? Yeah. So it's, uh, the first the first week we're going to do um, to make it easier to 
kind of instead of having to vet everyone to, to join, we're going to do a, just a kind of a testing purposes of, of getting people to uh, just a pre-selection of a few people, maybe like a less, less probably less than a dozen or so, but just as, as many people as possible. But then we're going to have it where they uh, can we come on to like a, a show to get everybody does a show together. You get you just you play with the distro. However, you would normally would take some just notes, kinda, things like that. Yeah, take some notes. Maybe even try to beat it, beat it up a little bit, <laughs> and see where you find some flaws. And then we uh, have a, a community discussion about whether you know whether this, it's a, something that could be good for a new user or just the the pros and cons of the distro itself. Yeah. And um, do you want to go ahead and announce the first one? No, go ahead. I'll let you do it. Okay. Uh, the first distro we're gonna uh, put in this little. <laughs> Roundtable review thing is uh, chaos. Yeah, chaos has been on our list for a while, but we just haven't gotten to it. So that'll be a good one for people to give a go. And uh, and it's it's, KDE distro, right? Yes, 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 (laughs) it is. uh, They consider a lean KDE distribution at that. Uh, Yes, is that even possible? Wow, lean in the sense of how many packages they allow in their system, so they only allow KDE specific stuff. And if they have it's a, anything other than that, they force it off. And they have that interesting design aesthetic as well, which I've been interested to try out. So the idea here is, uh, we get a wide sampling of opinions on this. You guys can look at it, and some folks will look at it from very technical aspects. Some people will look at it from the design aspect. Others will look at it from like a usability and things like that. We'll get a nice rounded set of opinions, and then we can accumulate it into sort of a concentrated review for the Linux Unplugged audience. And honestly, there's an opportunity here down the road where if a few folks stood out as you know really solid contributors, maybe there'd be a role where you'd come on last and do dedicated review segments of specific distribution. So there's opportunity for expansion and growth here, but it's just nice. something to start with for fun. So embedded in the show notes, we will have the Jupiter Colony review draft. If you would be interested in reviewing a distribution for us, we like Rotten said, we've already picked our first distribution and our first crew, so that way we just kind of get things rolling. But after that, we'll be pulling from our draft list, and uh, you'll find that in the uh, episode 47 show notes. It'll be linked and embedded in there, and it's also it'll be in the IRC chat room for those of you watching live. So are we going to do the review next week, Rotten? Yes, next week. Okay, so we'll have chaos on the show. Whoa. Yeah, you know what's coming up down the road. In fact, I want to put the word out there. Uh, I'm thinking about on uh, July 22nd. Hmm. I see. Well, we have something already scheduled but I, on the production calendar. But I'm thinking about potentially being live from uh, OSCon in Portland, Oregon on July 22nd. So I want to put the word out there for the Jupiter Broadcasting audience. If there's folks out there who might be interested in meeting up uh, at OSCon on July 22nd, that uh, it's like... That's a Wednesday. Or no, it's a Tuesday. So we, and if it worked out, it'd be really fun to be able to do Unplugged live from there. So kind of putting a feeler out there, seeing what people think. Um, we were accepted at OSCon as media. So we could go in there. We'd have media badges. And we could do interviews and stuff like that. So there's some reasons to go down there. But I'd really love to do it if we knew we were going to meet up with some folks. Uh, yeah. All right, Ron, is there anything else we want to cover on the community uh, review? The, the Jupiter Colony draft, as it were? Um, yeah, the the draft is going to be. Um, it, it doesn't. We first want to make sure people that if they're interested in doing it, they don't have to worry about having an extra computer or anything like that. It's just like kind of play with it. You don't need to remove remove your existing distro or anything like that. So we're going to do a virtual box or something. Yeah, it can be a virtual box. Like some things might will, will provide a virtual box image to make it easier for people. Or the other other times they could just buy the or not buy but download the ISO. 
Some things right. don't work very well in VirtualBox, so we figure that out yeah. on the way to go. Yeah, it might be uh, distribution so. dependent. Yeah, because like for example, yeah. you can't really review a distribution like CoreOS in VirtualBox. So there's some. Yeah, that are when just... we we were bouncing it around, we found some. Uh, some people had some questions about maybe, um, you know, having a whether you should like run it all the week or is it just something mm-hmm. we can just kind of like jump in and play with, and if that's enough. And essentially. Uh, it's not you're not trying to ask people to just you know run live with it in a week or anything just to kind of you know play play with it use it see if you can break it kind of thing. So yeah, just, I mean it's really going to be results dependent on what insights the audience that member brings and if like then if they bring something that we're like yeah that was a really great observation will you join us for the next review you know that's the kind of system it's yeah. going to be where uh, solid contributions will be noted and appreciated. And uh, I love the idea, too, of then eventually establishing a pool of folks and saying, okay, we're looking for everybody who has Intel graphics because we want to try out this Wayland distribution, you know, or something like that. Because we, if we built up a little pool, we could maybe do stuff that is a little bit harder for ourselves to do because maybe I don't have a machine with dedicated Intel graphics, right? Uh, so I couldn't do that review of, of something that runs Mir or Wayland. Uh, but if we had a resource out there of folks that wanted to participate and, and wanted to do these reviews... You know, essentially, uh, you don't even have to have experience, but if you've done blogging too, you're probably a great candidate if you've blogged a distro review. Uh, And just, it's something fun we want to do. I'm looking forward to it. I think it could be a a great idea. I think it could be a good way for uh, Matt and I to discover a few distributions we hadn't really thought of trying before. And then you never know, like maybe we'll take a look at it and end up switching. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. You seem skeptical. So anyways, uh, form is in the show notes if you guys want to fill that out. Uh, also, uh, just a little plugsies. Check out Tech Talk today. Um, tomorrow's episode, because I pre-recorded it because I'm going to a cabin. Tomorrow's episode is a retro look back at two operating systems that almost dominated the market, one of which I'm sure most of you have heard of, one of which I would bet most of you haven't heard of. And it'll be surprising who was making it and what it was based on. So uh, check out Tech Talk today. It's a new show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, a daily technology podcast where uh, me and my closest mumble friends discuss the tech news from perspectives of open source enthusiasts and Linux users. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every story is a Linux story, but what it means is instead of getting that typical Silicon Valley bias where it's very heavily Google-influenced or Apple-influenced, and Linux and open source are very often not considered, not part of their perspective or not part of the discussion. This has been something that we've talked about on Linux Unplugged for a couple of episodes. The quality of journalism, especially those coming at it from a Linux perspective, is pretty abysmal. So uh, one of the goals I have with Tech Talk today is to have a platform for us to have discussions around the tech events, the tech news of the day. And it's the stuff that actually is worth talking about. You know, it's not just rattling off headlines. It's things that are actually worth discussing from a perspective of a Linux user. Uh, and I, I, hope it's an, I hope it's an interesting recipe, and I'd like you guys to check it out. Episode 18 came out today. We talked about Microsoft uh, shutting down the No IP service, which screwed a lot of Jupyter Broadcasting audience members. I saw a lot of complaints about that in the forum, or in the threads, in, in a couple of different of our subreddits. So we talked. that's an issue we talked about in today's Tech Talk today. doesn't quite fit in the Linux Unplugged or Linux Action Show, but it's an issue we could talk about. And then, like I said, tomorrow is the uh, retrospective at uh, the OSs of uh, Futures Past. And so I encourage you to check out Tech Talk today if you want more show. But I think that's everything we have for today. I think we've gone through our list. We kind of burned through it pretty quick, but I'm okay with that because that means I get to wrap up and head out to a cabin. 
So I'm not going to complain, Matt, if you, if you get my drift. And it is hot. I tell you what. I, yeah, I, I was going to say. Woo, it is hot. Get yourself a Costco thing of water in the back. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a big thing of water, but I could use good, another good, one. Good. I, geez, Louise, I'll yeah. tell you what. So, all right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. You know, Linux Unplugged is a great show to join us live because you can participate in the mumble room. You can participate in our chat room. You get to help name the show. Just join us, won't you? Go over to jblive.tv. We do it at 2 p.m. Pacific on a Tuesday. jblive.tv, jblive.info for the audio stream, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to have our robots convert that into your time zone. That's what you got to do. You just show up live and rock it and uh, take part in our virtual lug. We really like that. And don't forget, we also want your feedback. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact and choose Linux Unplugged from the dropdown. All right, Matt. Well, I'll see you on Sunday. All right, sir? I'll see you then. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next Tuesday. Tuesday.